Yo, 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 what's up, people? I'm your host, Jay Will, and I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. This is episode 204, Stealing Clothes and Taking Flights. We're going to take a look at some stories really all across the world, Wall Street Journal, Money Wise. I'm going to take a look at a couple of these stories that's happening around the world, and we're going to try to view them through a Christian lens. Um, what's the goal? Look, man, as believers, if we being real, it's becoming tougher and tougher to even know, like, what is a Christian? How should we be thinking? And specifically through this lens of faith and business, a lot of times, like, does the, the business start outweighing and you get people that's like, we love money so much. We love success and motivation so much that that's all we focus on. And we don't know, like, really how to be a Christian in these things. And then, in the same regard, some of us are so heavy on faith, but more so not in a genuine way, in like a traditional religious way. We're like, we so heavy on that. We know how to go to church. We know how to shout. We know how to dance. We know how to sing. But we don't really know how to apply Christian principles into our daily lives. So those are some of the things we're going to explore today. And we're going to do that by way of looking at stories around the world unpacking them. We're going to read a couple articles. And then I'm going to talk a little bit at the end about consumers and contributors and why we should have a contributor mindset versus a consumer's mindset. So look, man, this is episode 204, stealing clothes and taking flights. Look, go ahead and like, subscribe, share this with somebody. We're going to have a great conversation. And uh, you know what it is, man. We got to go to this intro. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you said When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read You felt it deep in your soul The promise did not expire, be inspired I can see beyond the tears you cry And the pain you feel I saw every hill you had to climb Just to make it here When you say you ain't afraid to die Is it fake the fear? Yo, guys, people, what's up, man? How y'all feeling tonight, man, today, wherever you at? You know, people listen all across the world sometimes. A lot of times they listen later. Let's be honest. You might not be on the live stream, but hopefully whenever you listen to this, you enjoying yourself. Look, man, um, I'm going to be real with y'all. It's a lot to be going on in the world. You feel me? And as a believer, I'm kind of sitting back and looking and observing the world and all the changes that are happening. And I'm realizing that especially the church like, we just don't know what to do. Number one, we not really in lockstep. You know, Christians believe at all various levels, have completely different perspectives. I can I can talk to people. Completely different perspectives about what it even means to be a Christian. So we're going to take a look at some stories, man, and try to, um, you know, exercise our Christian and our business brain. And if you new listening to this show, I always advise people, Go back to episode one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Mostly Apple Podcasts is where people listen. But go there and listen to episode one. We lay all these foundations over the course of the last four years on Inspire Guys People. So you know exactly where we're coming from. And you don't get like kind of thrown off when we start doing investing or money topics. And you understand that the foundation of this show is rooted in the word of God, in the Bible. And we stick to that. Like, But we have to build on that. This is episode 204. You know what I'm saying? So I don't always go back and lay out all the foundational things as we kick it throughout the show. If I want to talk about money or business, I just talk about it freely. So let's get into um, 
the first look. Let's just jump. I'm going to just share my screen. We're going to get into the first article. We're going to read a little bit of it together, and we're going to see what really is happening out here, y'all. All right, so this is the first one I got for y'all. Uh, what view I want? Do I like this? I like that. This, that. All right, let's go here for now. Um, so, so look, y'all, y'all really gotta, y'all really gotta understand. Like, it's some, it's some interesting stories happening around the world today. So this is on um, Insider.com, and this, uh, this story right here um, is written by Kathleen Porter Christensen. Christensen, I can talk Kathleen Porter Christensen. Uh, this is written on June 7th. We're just going to explore a little bit of this. Let's look at the headline, right? I'm a mom who flies in business class while my family stays in the economy. We see it as a lesson on feminism. A lesson on feminism. All right. Okay. So let's see what they're talking about. The whole goal today is to really try to explore how people are thinking in the world. Not in a judgmental way. We're not here to bash anyone, but we are um, independent thinkers. And I, I really like to understand, like, what is, what is this world like? What, what are they really? What are we coming to? Um, so let's just see these these kind of bullet points. On a recent flight with her husband and two kids, age five and seven, she flew business class by herself. Wanted to show her sons that women are not confined to be or do certain things, and her kids were excited when they landed. Her husband got to parent them during the flight. Now, look, I advise you to come here and check out this article um, in depth on your own. I'm going to just skim through a couple things. Um, let's see. All right, so let's go here. Recent viral TikToks and articles have sparked debates about the fairness of fathers sitting in solo in business or first class while their wives and children remain in economy. Being inherently contrarian, I decided our family would flip the script and do just the reverse on their recent flight. All right. So, look, she wanted to show her sons that women belong everywhere. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. All right. Let me just kick it with y'all for a minute before we before we even unpack this for real. So I think it's a couple of things that are a little interesting about where we are in the world today. Right. Like we have this situation where this um, let's go here. This this mom like is first responding to something. Right. So I think it's an interesting situation because she's saying that she is responding to men who fly business class or solo by themselves. So let's unpack that first. First things first. One of the real challenges we're having in the world today is people are living at polar opposite extremes, right? So everybody is pushing being an extremist. And what happens with that is that we lose all balance. And a lot of times with balance is rationale. So it's just like, yo, like it, we either living in, in a, a, a hundred degrees outside or two degrees outside with no fall, no spring and no in between. And so you have this woman that's saying, hey, Hey, I don't know how she randomly like picked men who fly solo in business and first class without their families. I don't know if I've been living in a rock family, but I'm just going to be real with you. I ain't never seen it. 
never heard of it in my life. And here's the reality of it. If a man was doing it with, without some type of context as to what's happening, I would think it was just as wrong on the surface. So like, let's just start there, lady. Let's just start with the fact that, all right, we don't see something wrong and then do it. This is what's crazy to me. It's like, all right, so you're saying, like you legitimately saying that it's wrong for men to fly business or first class without their families. So my immediate response is to go and do the thing that I see is wrong. Y'all look, that's part of what is challenging and wrong with this world today and how we're living. We're just going, seeing something wrong and doing the opposite of it. It's like, that doesn't make any sense and it actually doesn't solve the problem. So that's my very first problem with this article that we looking at. Um, you know, let's, let's keep it going. All right. So she wanted to show her sons that women belong everywhere. I, I don't understand how sending pops to the back to be with the kids and you being away from them in business class is showing them that women belong everywhere. And I think this is just really like, let, let's just see what else she says. Um, the setup was unconventional, but there was a mat, uh, method to the perceived madness. It wasn't about embracing luxury for the sake of it. Instead, it was about my boys witnessing their mom confidently relishing a different space on the plane, thereby understanding that traditional norms and expectations should not confine a woman's place. All right, people. So I really think the real problem that this woman has, and again, you got to go back and read the full article yourself, but the real problem seems to be that she just has a problem with tradition. And so um, she's pointing to men flying on flights. Like, I don't even, I never seen that before. So I don't know where she got that from. You know, I would have to be educated on that. But it seems like she's pointing at something in order to give an excuse to go to an extreme. And I guess as believers, the reason that I'm bringing this up is that the world has a lot of movements right now. And there's a lot of extreme movements. And what people are doing is they're pointing at something like, hey, uh, my knee hurts, so I'm going to go and, and hurt your elbow. It's like, bro, like that's not how we solve anything. And as believers, I think we got to be super careful as Christians in taking on this, um, this kind of weird um, do-it-yourself salvation, um, self-righteous mentality that seems to be floating around the world of like hey you know i'm gonna be god the other thing if we being honest this is a woman that has sons and we're gonna get to the father in a second this is a woman that has sons and wants to show her sons that women can belong anywhere and can't be confined by space or whatever all right, cool. If that's the lesson you want to teach them, I just think there's a better way to do it than you separating yourselves from them on a plane, because it seems like what you're showing them is that women are above just the same way that a dude could potentially be showing. If he just want to fly first class while his family is in coach, 
like he's showing the wrong message too. So I just think in the most simplistic way of like when we were kids, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, and if you just jumping on, we are um, I'm referring to this article um, in in the uh, what is this? The in business insider, this article about this mom uh, who flies biz business class while her family stayed in the economy. Um, and she saw it as a lesson in feminism. And so I, I just think, man, like we got to be careful as believers, like just adopting everything, because number one, good intentions aren't good enough. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think we live in a world where people think, well, if my intentions are good, I just want to show my boys that that women shouldn't be confined or mistreated. It's like, that's cool. But just because your intentions good doesn't mean that your methods are good. And so at the end of the day, that's not the way that I think is going to be impactful in showing a boy or your son's boys that because number one, what you're showing them is an opposite extreme of like, oh, it used to be that daddy used to be on a different flight than us or in different seats than us. Now mommy has become that new role, missing the balance of it of like, why isn't the solution that we all sit together? That's my biggest question is in a situation like this, why isn't the rational, like logical solution to the problem be that no daddy, you shouldn't be sitting away from your family right? Um, maybe possibly giving the wrong message to your sons about the way that a man is supposed to cover and support and provide for his family and be with his family. No, we don't promote separateness as a family. We want to bring togetherness as a family. But I'm calling this out for y'all to understand that the goal of the enemy, the goal of a lot of agendas that I'm learning isn't actually to solve anything. All right, you don't believe me. Like We're going to go back to the story. Like, let's let's actually go back to the story. What is the actual goal? This intentional departure from traditional family dynamics served as a dual purpose. She's telling you it was a lesson for my sons in challenging societal norms and a testament to my adeptness in navigating the intricate world of travel rewards, a skill I honed through my business expat points, a points and miles website. So. Uh, she wanted to show she wants she was taking advantage of business number one, um, but then she was trying to show her son something by tearing down. What I and this is the last thing I'll say about this story in particular. What I want you to understand is that you don't have to tear things down to build things up, and until we get to a point in society where our entire goal isn't to just tear other things down because we become destructive when we do that. So we can't build anything if our only purpose is to tear down. And then what is happening simultaneously as we tear down the quote unquote traditional things, treating all traditional things as wrong, right? That is also a very tough and challenging thing to do is to treat all tradition as negativity just because something was is an older methodology or mindset, meaning that it is now wrong. So as believers, I'm just throwing it out there as Christians. A lot of these movements that's coming around, we're pulling them in the church. And that's why I'm, the reason I'm talking about this, right? We're talking about faith and business. It's important as believers to understand how do we need to navigate this stuff. And the first thing is that we don't need to just blindly bring in 
every concept that the world is throwing out there. And I get it, women. Listen, listen, I get it. Like, it's it's a lot of, like, you, you enjoying the feminine energy is girls rock, all this stuff. Cool. I want y'all to succeed and do well. But I just believe that we need to be careful in doing it our own way versus God's way. Because I think God, like, the, the Bible does not um, promote the negative, I guess, of when you think about being submissive. That's men and women. The Bible actually tells men to be submissive. We talk about it as if only the woman is supposed to be submissive. But really, men are submissive, too. Like, men are supposed to be submissive. Maybe maybe we need to go to that in the word. Um, I ain't going to do it now. I'm going to get through these stories. But, like, we might have to do that before the end of the show and, and, and talk about and, and read the actual Bible and what it says about submission. All right, cool. Let's let's jump to the next story. All right, so let, let's get to the next story. What we want to do next? All right, let's do the Lululemon story. This, this is super wild to me. I'm going to be real with you. This story is super wild, um, but it's also kind of showing just what's happening in the world today. All right. So let's go to this. Where we at? Lululemon. This is the headline up here. Lululemon stands by decision to fire employees who intervene in robbery. All right. So this is written by a. Uh, Parisia Caval man Caval Cavalance on this is on CNN business. So um Lululemon, if you haven't um, checked out this article, they fired some employees who intervened in a robbery, and they did it because it goes against their um employee like handbook or whatever it goes against their rules. So let's check out a little bit of what happened. Uh, Lululemon CEO uh, Calvin McDonald said the retailer stands by his decision to fire two employees who tried to intervene, intervene during a theft at one of its stores. The incident took place in late April at its stores in Peachtree Corners, Georgia. Cell phone footage from the store shows two men wearing hoodies and face masks rush into the store and grab armloads of merchandise from areas closest to the entrance of the store near rush out. One female employee is seen near the entrance of the store close to where the men are yelling, get out repeatedly. It is unclear if the footage was taken by a customer or the employee. All right. So I let let's let's talk about this. Let's let's really uh let's kick it about this. So Lululemon, right? They these two they have a um you know employee rules or guidelines or whatever that says like you shouldn't be intervening in a robbery. But they had these two girls. It was two dudes. You could look up the video on YouTube, two dudes running the store and they grabbing stuff. And oh, girl, just like, no, no, get out. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not letting you rock with this. Matter of fact, let's let's see if we can. Um, is it on here? Let's see if we can find it. I want to show you all the video. That's what I want to do. Let's look for the video. Um, all right. Let's go to YouTube real quick. I'll, I'm going to share my screen in one second, people. Let me just get to the video. Uh, no, I don't want to sign in. I don't really want to sign in, though. I just want to... Hold on. Yeah, I don't really want to sign in my account, fam. I just want to go to a YouTube video. Uh, Lululemon. 
Let's see, robbery. Atlanta. Let's let's check it out. Let's see what I can find. All right, all right. Oh, hold on. Hold on, fam. All right. So let's share screen. Uh wait, why does someone I don't want this to be? Hold on, let me sign out, family. I'm sorry. I don't want this to be on my joint. Just wanted the uh Lululemon Robbery, Georgia. Yeah, I don't want this on my page. I just want to show y'all the um the what's the name? All right, so let me go to share and then let's let's check this out. This stuff be so wild, man. All right, let's peep. So Lululemon, let's check this. Let's see. Uh, hold on, stop sharing. Let's check this out. If you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts, I'm sharing the screen. So we're going to check out this video real quick. Let's see what we got. Is it going to play or no? Ah, all right. Forget it. We're not doing it. It's like I'm getting technical difficulties. You got to look it up on your own. Um, it's basically the dudes running the Lululemon store. They stealing stuff. And the girls are saying, no, no, get out, whatever it is. So my question to you is, should they have been fired? And the fact that the store stood on it, like the CEO is like, no, we firing them. So I got a couple things to say about this. First of all, I'm a little speechless if you want me to be real. Like the whole idea that if I'm at this store and somebody just walking in and stealing clothes, that I can't speak up and simply say to them, no, like, all right, I get it. The store's position is they want to protect the safety of the employees, at least according to the article. And I don't know if it's anything more to it, but according to the article, they just wanted to, um, you know, like they're, they're worried about your safety. Like, yo, we want you safe. We want, we don't want you to get hurt or anything like that. And I'm like, man, like, but still at the same time, like if I didn't get hurt and I at least tried to protect your merchandise, I just kind of feel like Lululemon is is potentially wilding. You know, if if you want me to be real, I feel like they potentially wilding just simply off the fact that it seems like there's a different way that you can make this point because I didn't see where the girls did anything wrong. You feel me? Like they were trying to intervene for a robbery. Now me, I could see how you would get fired if it's like you were the one doing the robbing or you like, you know, set up something, but to fire to me seems a little harsh to make the point, mostly because I think it's a different way you can make that point. Like you could have wrote us up, you know what I'm saying? You could have suspended me for a week or whatever. And I think everybody would have understood, or you could have gave me a promotion. I'm going to just, I'm going to keep it all the way a hundred with y'all. Like, I feel like if I would have did that, I need, I need a good promotion fam. Cause I'm showing you I'm trustworthy. I'm showing you that I put the brand above my own, you know, uh, safety and well-being. I mean, that's not the right thing to do. You shouldn't do that. But, you know, you're showing some courage, some bravery, some initiative, some leadership. If you ask me what I want to hire someone that I could trust, not only that they wouldn't be taking my merchandise or my goods, but they will also be protecting them um, and would stand up for them. I think that is a person that needs to go from being um, a regular team member to management. 
if you want me to be honest. But I'm going to be real with y'all. If you just like Google Lululemon robberies and some of the way people are walking in these stores, they're just stealing stuff. I watched the story where two dudes, I think it was two dudes, they walked in the store and the security guard is standing right there. Right there, fam. They take $28,000 worth of merchandise. Now, you know, at Lululemon, that might be three three pair of pants and a shirt because Lululemon is super expensive and I'm a fan of Lululemon. I own some Lululemon clothing. Um, so I rock with y'all, all love, but y'all know y'all expensive. So they might've stole four, four things out of there, but it was $28,000 worth of merchandise that they stole out of Lululemon in front of the security guard in front of them fam so i'm like and i don't know if that it didn't look like that security guard cared at all like homie didn't i gotta find that bro i gotta find it i'm sorry i gotta do it like like i gotta i gotta show y'all because it's the only way it's not gone you're not really gonna rock with it you're not really gonna rock with it until you really see it Let's see. Let me make sure. All right, hold on. Let's. Can we go back though? Videos go so quick. All right, let's try to share my screen again and uh, check this out. All right. No, you can. No, he's coming. No, no. Seriously, get out. Get out. Get out. Man. No, no, no. Man. So, as you see, if you watch the video or even hear the audio, like these women were fired, fam. Like, like that, like she just saying no. And, and, and she was, they was fired. Like, I would be sick if that was me. I'm not going to lie. I would be so sick. I want to show y'all this other one. Some of these videos get wild, though. People might be cussing and stuff. Y'all know this is a family show. So, um, you know, if they slip up and cuss or something, it's not. We don't we don't support it. But it just kind of happened. Uh, let me see. All right, let me find this. Oh, okay. Peep this. Here's the other one. Let me share my screen. Man, this stuff is so wild. Uh, let me share my screen, fam. Okay. All right. Let's see. A brazen robbery at a Lululemon store is caught on camera. Watch here as the suspects stroll out of the store right past a security guard with sacks full of merchandise. Happened Tuesday afternoon at Lululemon's Meatpacking District store on West 14th Street. Investigators say the bold thieves walked out with more than $28,000 worth of clothing. No one was hurt, though anyone with information is being asked to call, call police. My man, look, hey, this stuff is so wild to me. My man is like, if you watch the video, my man is like, he's like taking his time. Like he wasn't even rushing to steal the stuff. And the security guard got on, he got on his tie his shirt, he got his hands behind his back. So 
This is the world we're living in, y'all. And, and I got a couple of things to say about this. Number one, on some real stuff, like, I, I just can I just talk to the people real quick? This this idea, this mentality to take, 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 to get over on people, to steal things, uh, to scam, all those things, y'all, they sound good when it's happening. So I'm sure I'm sure these people that went in Lululemon and they stole twenty eight thousand dollars worth of clothing, uh, merchandise, and maybe resell it and all this stuff. I'm sure when they got their little twenty eight thousand dollars, they were so happy or whatever they cut was from all of that. But you know what? I'm just here to believe, especially as Christians, God is watching you. So even if even if even if you get away from the security guard and nobody send you to jail. Jail isn't the actual judgment. You get what I'm saying? Like the, the real judgment that we should be fearing is from God seeing that and knowing your character and who you are. And like, think of how many blessings in your life that you blocking because you want to get $28,000. Like, look, I, look, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing out here of the, this victim mentality it produces these type of individuals. The source of this type of thinking is a person that believes they deserve things that they haven't worked for. So they see people, businesses that have worked for things, that have earned the things that they have, and they're telling themselves, because I don't have, I deserve that. Like, I deserve to scam you out of your money. Think about scammers who steal people's credit card information and stuff. They're stealing it with no emotion or no soul, not realizing it's a person on the other end of who you're stealing from that worked for something, right? They worked for something. They earned something and you're taking it and you haven't earned it. And I'm just telling you as believers, especially, you could go and walk down that path if you want to, even if you don't go to jail, even if they lessen up the laws and allow y'all to be out here wilding out. Your character and your integrity ain't going to take you far, fam. That I, I, I promise you, like those type of people, they're not going to be successful for real. So hit your lick. Get your couple thousand dollars, but you never going to see nothing more than that. It's, it's going to burn in your hands. It's, it's like you have to be careful when you're planting seeds that you're planting seeds in good ground. Because whatever seeds you plant is the tree you're going to grow. So you go ahead and plant seeds of scamming and stealing and, and all that. And you're going to produce that type of tree. That's my belief on it. And I think we would do ourselves much better to work hard for something and earn something than to try to get over on other people who have worked for something. You don't know who the Lululemon manager of that particular story is that may be trying to, maybe they was in second place trying to get the first place for the month. Maybe it's a, a single mother, single father or whatever, a, a college student, somebody saving money for their car. And if they if their store hits number one, then they are going to get a bonus that's going to allow them to do something. This person went to work. They worked hours. And you just walk in the store. Why? Probably because they're lessening the laws um, on, um, on theft. And so what do you see? You see an increase in theft. And I'm telling y'all, as you're voting and getting into politics and things, Make sure you're looking at the entire picture. A lot of the things that we want to do to lessen the load and make it easier for people to commit crimes and 
not be hard on them and stuff. We just put ourselves in danger. You make it harder for yourself because what if you open a business? What if you um, get a become a franchisee of a larger organization? You know, some of these fast food restaurants and and things like that, like a, a lot of stores, a lot of chain stores have franchisees. So you're you thinking you stealing from the name on the, the logo on the door. You really stealing from a person. There's a person on the other side of that. And I just think that we need to think about that more as we go through life. And this whole scamming thing is just to me, I just don't respect it. I don't respect, um, you know, that's that's the love of money. So I don't respect it. You know, I, I want to make money the right way. I want to make strategic business deals. I want to invest and, you know, have ideas. And if I fail, I fail. You know what I'm saying? And if I fail, then I take accountability, responsibility for that. I get up, I dust myself off, I try again. But this idea that I should take advantage of other people in order to get ahead, I believe is a mentality and a lifestyle that serves to really be a cancer later in your career, your life, whatever it is. If you try to do wrong to get ahead, all that's going to happen is the wrong is going to catch you and pull you back. So you never actually got ahead. Maybe temporarily you think you're killing it or you're doing something. But I'm telling you, if you out here and you scamming and you taking from other people, God sees you. God sees that. So you might get away. The security guard ain't going to take you to jail. Mate, like, but you're not really getting away. And that's what we got to understand as believers. Like, It ain't about just getting away to people. It's about God looking at your heart and your character and your integrity. And God might be like, you know, um, let, let's look at it from the biblical biblical lens. I can talk, people. I promise I can talk. If we look at it from the biblical lens, um, the Bible say you've been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many. And some of us can't be faithful over the few because we're allowing the world to turn us into victim mindset, entitled people who think we deserve something that other people have worked for. And I don't rock with it. Why? Because God gave you a gift. He gave you something that you can work your own gift and move ahead in your own gift. So you don't have to take advantage of what someone else has going on in their life because he gave them a gift. It might be more than you. It might be less than you. It might be the same, but it doesn't actually matter. What actually matters is that you actually operate and walk in your gift. And when God sees you, he says, you've been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over a many. And so many people today will never be the ruler over the many because they're not faithful over the few. What we doing is like, so in the same way, God is looking at you when you go and steal somebody else's and he looking like, what do you think he's saying? Let, let me just ask that question. What do you think God is saying when you try to take advantage of things, when you try to get things that you haven't worked for? and you haven't earned, and you take from somebody else. As a Christian, as a believer, do you actually think God is going to bless that? Like, we got to get out of this mindset of hitting a lick or a hustle or, like, just, it's this temporary success that people get caught up in because they love money and they want to stunt for a minute or, you know, you want to make a post on Instagram or act like you got money that you don't have. There's so many people out here fronting like they have success that they don't have. They literally don't have it. And what I'm learning is the less successful that you actually are, the more people try to show and 
and, and kind of that insecurity is that look at me, look at what I got. And a lot of times it ain't even a lot. Like, okay, you stole some clothes from Lululemon, bro. Like, <laughs> you don't even, you don't even exercise. Like, so, okay, now you got to go sell these clothes. You, you selling them hot. So maybe let's say you come up, you, you 10 G's up. You went in there, you stole some stuff in less than five minutes. You worked less than five minutes and you 10 G's up. That $10,000 ain't worth it, bro. Some money ain't even worth it. Like, like some come ups ain't even worth it. And that's what I think we don't realize. Like when you do the wrong thing to come up, like God ain't going to bless it. It's a dirty seed. I should have named this episode Dirty Seeds because that's what some of us are planting. I'm not judging you. I ain't judging you if you've been on hard times. I'm not judging you if you find yourself in a tough place and you did it before. But I am urging you to change it now. I am saying like, bro, you can't live like this forever, sis. You can't live like this forever. Like you don't want to live that life of just constantly doing wrong and expecting right to happen to you. God sees that. We got to grow up. We got to change. We got to look and ask God, what did you give me, God? Because here's my biggest problem is that when you go and steal something, you ain't even using your gift. Woo. Like some of us, God gave us a gift and we won't use it. We won't cultivate it. We won't we won't work on it. We we won't, um, you know, um, nurture it. We won't like like live with it, live with your, live with your gift and really try to work through the ups and the downs. A lot of us won't do that. And then, but we'll go and pervert it and go and, and go and steal something. And God looking like, bro, I, I gave you a gift to make a hundred thousand and you went and stole 28. Give me my hundred. All right. Now, now I wasn't planning to do this, but now we got to go to the Bible. That's what we do here. Now I got to go to the Bible. Let me let me pull up this scripture. Oh, y'all done got me started. Oh, they done got me started. What I'm looking for, Matthew. Yep, let's do it. Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew, we're going to go 25. I meant, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, let's do it. We about to go to the word. Nah, y'all got your man started. Why y'all do this? Y'all to just trigger me. Y'all ain't even doing it. I just got triggered off of that story of that stealing, man. Cause that stuff is, listen, that stuff is just super wild. At the end of the day, it's just wild. It's a wild way to live. All right, let's look at it. We looking at Matthew, um, chapter 25. Um, this is in the NLT. Verses 14, this, this is 14 through 30, I believe, parable of the talents, the way it's written here, parable of the three servants in the NLT. Let's read. And I love this because this is Jesus talking. All right. Jesus talking. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Let's pause right there. People want to know why I talk about money. Why do you talk about money? I am a Christian. I don't want to talk about money. I am a Christian. I don't want to talk about money. Listen, I talk about money because the Bible talked about money. Money in and of itself isn't evil. The fact that we shy away from talking about money allows the people who are manipulative and bring up money 
to continue to take advantage of you and to continue to either take your money or put you in positions where you're constantly dependent on, upon them and you never actually get to make money and be, you know, become free and self-sufficient. So there's this cycle of poverty that a lot of us live in. I understand it. I come from, you know, inner city Detroit, like, and like there are issues and deep rooted in poverty in some of our communities, maybe not everybody, you might be from somewhere different, but I become passionate about learning the right way to think about money because I think so much of my life I saw just in behaviors, the wrong way to think about money. And so I could never grow. And then I get to the Bible and um, then you have Jesus. All right. Talking about money. So he called together um, his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Fifteen. He gave five bags of silver to one. All right. So one person got five. Cool. Two bags of silver to another. Okay. Somebody got two bags. And one bag to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. All right. I got to speak to this, y'all. I got to speak to this, family. Like, so that we got two things happening now. Jesus is telling this parable of... Um, this master that leaves, then entrust um, people with his money. Um, don't be so thrown off with the terms master and servant. Some of us hear those type of terms and then just take it somewhere else. Just like just your boss, whatever it is. Okay. Somebody's entrusting you with money. Let's focus on that. So one person gets five, another one gets two, another one get one. So what's the first thing we want to say? The person with one, Let's focus on them. They're probably feeling upset because the master only left them one. And they're too busy looking at the five and the two that he left to others. And then you find yourself in a cycle of now you're living a life of comparison. You live in a life where you can't actually be happy for the things that God blessed you with because you are way too focused on what he's doing in other people's lives. And so the first thing I want to tell you is in our lives, we have to learn, y'all, like we have to actually learn how to be okay with what God gave us, because right here in the scripture, it says literally he gave it to them based on their abilities. Can I be honest with you? Our abilities ain't all the same. We are created equal, but we are not the same. We have different levels of gifts, different levels of capabilities. Some people can, you know, they're intellectually, um, you know, wiser, smarter, whatever it may be. Some people are physically stronger, whatever it is. Like at the end of the day, like I can be mad about it, but I, I can't beat Mike, fight Mike Tyson in a fight. Like I can't punch harder than Mike Tyson. So that's not what God left me with. That was, That is not my ability. Like I don't need to be in a heavyweight fight. Like it's not going to happen. I'm going to get knocked out. You feel what I'm saying? And so I can either sit here and go through my life upset that God didn't give me the physical strength that he gave Mike Tyson, or I can figure out, well, what did he give me? So the first question you should be asking yourself is, what did God give me? See, what I love about this show, people, is we talk about a lot of things, but we start pulling out practical things. This is the practical part right here where you can ask yourself this question right now. What did God give me? Right. 
not not in a selfish way. I'm not telling you to be selfish, but you do need to focus on yourself in this instance to understand what God gave you. Then it is in understanding what God gave you that a you can be content and say, okay, He gave me one, so I got one bag. So then you can move to the next step, which is what should I do with what He gave me? The problem with some of us people is this: some of us are not asking, "What did God give give me?" Because we're too busy looking at what He gave everyone else. And because we're not asking the first question of what did God give me, we can't get to the second part of what should I do with what he gave me? Are you feeling me? I got to look at my gifts. I can't look to the left, can't look to the right. A lot of people are good at a lot of things. Here's something that I became very comfortable with in life. You are not going to be the only great thing, great person in the world. Come on, man. You got to live with the fact that God, when he was creating people, God was creating some great people. He was creating some dope people that are gifted, that are, that are talented. And you have to be comfortable and content with the fact that there are other good people out here. There is somebody cuter than you, fam. And if you don't become comfortable and be able to live with that, you're just going to live a life of discomfort and a life of trying to prove things to people. That's one of the things that's interesting to me in the world is I see people like people who view themselves simply through their looks. A lot of times it's so obvious and I don't know that they know or realize it. The problem with that, I'm like, wow, she's playing or he's playing a very interesting game. You're playing this game where you're going out into the world. And even if you are drop dead gorgeous, if you're beautiful, if you got a crazy body, whatever it is, like whatever you excited about yourself, your hair, you in shape, your physique, whatever it is. But there are billions of people in the world. So. If you walk around and have a, a, a nasty attitude towards everyone that you view as not as cute as you, right? Because that's what some people do. If you're not at my level, I treat you like dirt. But then what happens is out of these billions of people in the world, you are then going to get to someone else who's better than you. And how do you think you're going to treat yourself as not better than them, not as good as them? You are going to look down on yourself because you have put into motion a mindset and an ideology of I view life through the lens of who looks good and whoever is the best looking person is the best person and whoever looks doesn't look as good as them. They are lesser than. So you're constantly comparing yourself. You can never find peace or comfort, even though you're beautiful. I've heard many beautiful people struggle and say that they're ugly or not feel attractive. I have I know this for a fact that I've talked to people that are like this. And the thing is, you can be talking to them and thinking like, wow, this person is like, they got all the gifts. Like, they look great. Like, if if I just looked as good as them. But the thing is, because, because of that mindset of viewing life strictly through the lens of looks, there's always going to be um, something that's a little off. You feel me? So, all right, you got to get to a point where, recap, you ask God, what did you give me? What are my gifts, God? What am I supposed to be doing in this world? Um, and then, like, what do I do with it? How do I do it? Right. So it's like, what do I have? What did you leave me? Oh, you you bless me with the gift to to write. OK, then it's like, well, how do I use this gift? What should I do with this gift? OK, he gave you the gift to write. So you write you start off and you write poems. Maybe you started off writing journals. 
Then you you go to poems and then all of a sudden you build a whole portfolio and somebody asks you, hey, do you want to do spoken word? And now you're doing spoken word. And then maybe you write for someone else's album or think like God has given you gifts to unlock the things you need to do in your life. But you have to be comfortable with the fact that your gifts are your gifts. They may be more or less than others, but they are going to be more and less than others. If that makes sense, like they will be more than someone less than someone. So you have to learn how to live in the contentment of being okay with what God gave you and maximize the gift. That's how you can be content, but still go after the maximum value and finding out exactly who did God create you to be? Who am I God? Who do you want me to be? I don't need to be better. I'm not, I'm not trying to be better than them at what they do. I'm not trying to be better than them at what they do. I am trying to become the best version of me and then if I become exactly who God created me to be, and then I exercise those gifts to their full potential, then I'm comfortable where, 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 we, land, where we land. I could talk. Let me take a sip of my water, fam. I need some water. Water. All right, let's jump back in the word. Why y'all get me off track, though? Like, I don't even, I don't even understand how y'all got me, like, way off track. All right, so, Pete. So now if we go back to the word, all right, let's get through this. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Invest the money, invest the money, invest the money. Why do you invest, Jermaine? Why do you, why did you just come out with a, you know, uh, why did you come out with an entire episode about investing? Why are you talking about investing, buddy? The Bible talks about it. I'm just, listen, this, I don't even come up with this stuff. I just be reading the word and the stuff be there. Like it's there. It's like, this is Jesus talking, giving an example about investing. I can't make it up. I can't. I can't make this up, people. All right, y'all don't y'all still don't rock with me though. Let's go back to it. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest in the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. Wow. So, so the servants that were left with the most amounts went and actually invested those amounts and doubled what they were given. They use their gift to increase and bring value. That's amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 18. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. That is very interesting to me. The servants that had the most did the most. And the servant that had the least said, you know what? I'm just going to dig a hole and hide the little money I have in the ground. Now, maybe logically or emotionally to you, that makes sense. Because what you're thinking is what we do is this. Oh, they already got money. So you point to people who are successful. You point to people that have obtain something you say well they already got money it take money to make money and i don't got no money so i can't do that well you know you make enough money so that's why you doing that or you got this that's why you doing that nope you're lying to yourself 
This is a lesson in character, my people. Character. You are who you are. See, this is what we don't understand. Like, you are you. So at the end of the day, you can blame someone's, someone else's action on their circumstance or their situation. But it is not until you look in the mirror and realize I'm making these decisions because I'm me. I have a flaw in my thinking. I have tricked myself or allowed people to trick me by making me a victim. The person with the one bag of silver allowed themselves to become a victim and said, since I don't have that much, I'm going to just bury what I have. Not understanding that it is the ideology and the mindset and the thinking that is the cancer or the sickness in this scenario. It has actually nothing to do with how much you have. If that was the case, the person with two bags of silver wouldn't have done anything because they would have looked at the person as five and says he has over 50 percent more than what i have over double i only have two and you got five why did god only give me these couple of gifts i ain't doing nothing with them why did god make me grow up in the hood this ain't fair why did god give me this like oh i don't have this and we create all these excuses that seem legitimate on the surface because on the surface one is less than two isn't it one is less than five, isn't it? So you would think that this mindset of, hey, you didn't give me that much, so I ain't doing nothing with it. God, you, you, I grew up in, in on Seven Mile in Detroit. All right, that's where you want to put me. I didn't grow up on Wall Street and I ain't grow up in Santa Monica or whatever in, in the Hamptons and like, oh, uh, Paris Hilton, it's easy for her because her daddy a billionaire. Maybe so. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, what I do, that's probably not the best example. So, you know, anyway, I, it just, it just, I just said it. All right. Don't judge me. My point at the end of the day is we can always look at other people and make excuses for why they are successful, why they're flourishing in their gift or why they're moving or doing anything in life. And I am not saying that simply having money makes you successful. That is not the point or the purpose contextually of what I'm talking about here. So please don't take it to mean that. But let's get back to the word of God. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they had used his money. Woo, man, remember when I said that you shouldn't be out here scamming, you shouldn't be out here stealing or scheming because God is watching. He will hold you accountable. He's going to have you to give an account for, all right, I left you with these gifts. What you do? Oh, you went scheming? Like, I gave you the gift of creativity and, and you creatively came up with a way to steal people credit card information. And oh yeah, okay, well, well, I got, I got a reward for you. I got you, let's read. Verse 20, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more, excuse me, and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. All right, let's pause real quick, people. We got to pause right there, fam. So many of us, we can sing a song. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We can preach a, a sermon. We like, this is my question to us sometimes as Christians. Why do we take one line out of the Bible? Never preach the rest of it. Never try to think through or understand the rest of it. And just take this well done, my good and faithful servant. And now we lying to people. 
Like we got people thinking, I just want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant, without ever understanding why did Jesus use that line in the Bible in the first place? He used that line in conjunction to a parable about someone who had taken money that they were left and invested it and doubled their investment. And then Jesus said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. So I gave you something and God considers faithfulness increasing it. Isn't that amazing? So you're telling me that if God blesses me with $20,000 right now, and the only thing I do is go out to the stores and buy everything that costs, you know, thousands of dollars up to the 20,000. I want to, oh, I always wanted a Gucci scarf. Uh, I, I deserve, you know, uh, some Yeezys. And I go and spend $20,000 on things that are just things that I love or I'm addicted to, or I worship the things I want. I worship my wants. So I go out and spend my 20,000 and buy everything I ever thought of and get my kids everything. We spend all the money on Christmas. We don't have nothing saved up, nothing invested. You mean to tell me that that wasn't well done? No, it wasn't well done according to the Bible, people, because Jesus Christ himself considered well done to be if I leave you with an amount. And I love that this parable specifically relates to money because it causes you to think about money differently than you have before. No, we're not talking about loving money. We're talking about properly understanding money and applying the principles that are biblical to money as well. Although this is a parable, there is a deeper message that is hidden in here that we're going to pull out in just a second. But Jesus used the example of money. He used money for the parable. Like, you cannot deny that. So there must be some things that I need to understand about money. Faithfulness in regards to money is the ability to take what God blesses you with and increase it. Specifically in this example, by way of investing. Now, I know some people are thinking like, well, why? That doesn't make sense. Well, to me, business and investment, that's why this is a faith and business show. Business and investing is very much aligned with biblical principles and faith, because at the end of the day, in order to take, you know, five silvers, uh, five bags of silver or twenty thousand dollars, let's just talk in terms of USD, what we understand, at least I understand to to take twenty thousand and then go and turn it into forty thousand means a that I, I exercise discipline with the twenty thousand dollars. That means that I was able to deny myself. The Bible says to pick up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow Christ. So this Christian walk must require me to be able to deny the things that I want at times in life. And by exercising this in, in money is just one example. There'll be deeper things that God will want me and need me to be able to exercise this level of discipline with. So now you are just using your money and your finances as a way to really grow in various areas of your life because your character is being built through now this ability to want something. We all want something. You know, I want things. But to be able to not have to have it right now or at all, depending on what it is or the situation, that is exercising a level of discipline that God is pleased with because God said that this servant who took five and made 10 was good and faithful. All right. In order to be faithful, 
I'm going to need to be able to deny, right? It is good to double and to increase. So God saw this that way. Jesus saw this as good and faithful. And the other thing is delayed gratification. There's a lot of uh, um, examples in the Bible of the value of delaying gratification. Because when you delay gratification, the thing that's crazy about it is if I take $20,000 today and blow it all, that's me taking advantage of instant gratification. I need to be I need to be pleased right now. So give me the Gucci bag. Give me the Louis Vuitton. Give me whatever right now, because what I'm saying when I take that little bit of money and spend it all today, I'm saying that right now is more important than forever. Right now is more important than sustainability. Most of us focus on obtaining when it comes to money. We want to obtain money. I give me this. Bless me with this. Like I want to obtain twenty thousand dollars. But no one ever teaches us how to sustain, sustain $20,000, to grow it, to make it last longer than right now, to delay your gratification, to be able to say, you know what, I do want a Gucci bag, cool, but I'm going to delay that one. And first, I'm going to be good and faithful. And let me go and do this thing that God wants me to do that may take some time, right? Because it says the master went away for a long time. And then came back and, and, and wanted to hold them accountable, give an account for what you did while I was gone. So we need to take advantage of the time we have, like in the meantime. All right. So let's let's go back. Let's go back to the Bible. Then, Like, if you believe me, let's rock with it. So 21, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Some of us want more, but we haven't done anything with what God has given us already. How can I be asking God for more? Give me a bigger podcast. Give me more, God. Bless me with a bigger studio. Whatever. Like, bro, you haven't even consistently recorded videos or continue to grow or what like you got to maximize this first come on people some of us are just asking for more and more and more and we haven't shown and proven ourselves to be good and faithful come on bruh verse 22 though the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said master you gave me two bags of silver to invest and i've earned two more Master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I want to say something, people. Notice how in this example of the good and faithful servant, it didn't matter that God gave one of them five or one of them two. This should be great news to you because what this says to me is even if God gave me less gifts, I can please him just the same amount as someone he left more gifts to. So my actions can please God. I can live up to what God called me to be, even if he only gave me one bag of silver, even if he only gave me two bags of silver and the person next to me is killing me and they got five bags and they look better than me. They talk better than me. They got more money than me. All these things don't matter because the ultimate reward is to hear good, well done, my good and faithful servant. And what you've been you've been faithful over these small amount of things. So now I will bless you with many more. So at the end of the day, I am not in competition with the person who has more of me, more than me. So I shouldn't be living my life looking around and making excuses because somebody has more. 
This is why I love the Bible. This is why the Bible guides how I think through the world in the lens of like how I look, read news stories or look at like things that are happening in the social world. And like all the, the, the world is cramming all these things and throwing them at us and confusing us in some areas. We need to just step back and say, what does the Bible say about how we should think? This is a way of thinking. This is a doctrine. At the end of the day, the biblical doctrine seems to be less about who has more and who has less and more about who does what with it. Wow. What have you given me, God? And what should I do with it? That's what should be, we should be asking God for. What have you given me? What is my gift? And what do you want me to do with it? Instead of what we do is we just ask God for more. Okay, God, you bless me with this. I want more now. Give me more. And God is looking like, but but oh, give me more, God. I want more. I want as much as they have. Yep, I want as much as them. I should have more. What, that guy over there is worth 100 million? I want to be worth 101. We're missing the whole principle. We're missing everything. Oh, that, that girl looks like this. Oh, her body's like this. I want to go and get my body like that. Oh, this guy body like this. I want to go and get mine like that. We're We're so caught up in the wrong thing, the superficial thing that we're missing what God actually want us to get y'all like, and it's, and it's actually kind of scary. So let's get back to it. Verse 24 in the servant with the one bag of silver came forth and came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops. You didn't plant and gathering crops. You didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. I got to take a break. I got to, I got to say this. I'm sorry. So many of us live our life like that. We live our life and we say, all right, look, God, I gave you back exactly what you left me. You ain't leave me that much. So bump it. Like you ain't make me a millionaire. You didn't bring me uh, up in a certain family. So I ain't working that hard for you either. Whoo. That's a dangerous place to be y'all. That's a dangerous place to be. And, and what ends up happening Verse 26, but the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Woo! Then he ordered, take the money from, his, from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver to those who, who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant in outer darkness where they will be, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. All right, let's talk about it. So you mean to tell me I'm wicked and lazy and useless if I don't use the gifts that God gave me. So you mean I shouldn't just simply go around and complain to the world and want people to feel sorry for me and want everybody else to work harder than I'm working or walk into Lululemon and steal clothes that I didn't work for, I didn't earn. Like you mean to tell me that God is going to call me wicked and lazy simply because I don't use the gifts he gave me? That's why this show is about guiding you to your purpose and why I spend a lot of time trying to figure out, all right, what are the things that God has called me to? What are the things that God have called you to? 
And how do we live out that purpose? And it's a lot less about having more than other people. And it's more about being a good steward. So if God blessed you with a job and you make 30,000 a year, great. We're talking about money so that you can manage the 30, so that you can invest and grow and please God. If God blessed you with the ability to speak, you don't have to be the greatest speaker in the world or have the church with 50,000 people. But if you only have 25 members, what God is looking for is how do you cultivate the 25? How committed, how dedicated are you to the thing that I gave you in growing that thing? You don't have to worry about trying to have a thousand member church because the person across the way has a thousand member church. So we've been focusing on the wrong thing. The pastors have been focused on the wrong thing. Everybody's focused on having the most growth. Hey, I want to, that guy got 5,000 members. He the man, this guy doing this, he the man. Like, no, if you only have a hundred members, but you started off with 10 and God saw you cultivate those members, do the right thing by people, not manipulate people and take their money, maybe even teach them how to make their own money and be self-sufficient. And y'all become the strongest, most cohesive hundred people in the world. You know how much damage you could do with a hundred people? And I mean that in a good way. Like, do you know how much impact you can have on a community, on a state, on a city with a hundred people going in the same exact direction with, with on one accord? Not, like we could, we could accomplish so much if we connected and were committed to growing the thing that God gave us instead of being so just drunken with awe of how much the next person has. Man, when I tell you, like, these type of people drain me. And, and I just got to be real. It exists a lot in church. Like the, It exists a lot in church. A lot of churches are competitive. A lot of pastors are competitive. And everybody's trying to have the most. Everybody's trying to have the best building, the best this. And it's like, well, what about, like, yo, if you gave me 10, I'm just being real with y'all. Like, I don't want to be no pastor. I Like, that seemed like a hard job. I'm good on it, bro. But I'm just telling you, like, for me, it's more about, a cohesive unit. And if it's five of us, like, and we really on the same page, I'm good with it. And we gonna like us five people, we gonna like, we can build something big. But this idea that because the next person has 20, I gotta have 20. No, I'm good on that. And, and that's, that's simply because of the Bible. Now there's another hidden, hidden aspect of this scripture in Matthew 25 that I want you to understand. When you look at the fact that you know, the master, because remember, this is a parable. So there's a deeper spiritual meaning. I looked at it like this. This is this is how I apply this to my life. God gave me some gifts. And his expectation is that I'm going to use my gifts while he's gone. To grow his kingdom, because his kingdom is is what he's trying to grow to grow his people. Right. So what God is saying is like, all right, I bless you with some gifts. I, I bless you with a gift to, to speak. Let's say if that was hypothetically one of my gifts is that. I can talk. Let's just say that was it. All right. Let, let's just say hypothetically, if God blessed me with a gift to speak. And then I said, OK, God, I know what you gave me. Now, how do you want me to use it? And if God said, all right, do a podcast and I want you to call it inspire God's people. And I want the podcast to be about faith and business. And all right, Jermaine, here, understand this. Your purpose is literally 
to inspire God's people. That's what I gave you purpose. Doesn't matter what the next per person's person is, purpose is. I can talk. It doesn't matter if they, their purpose is to, to grow a podcast with 10 million followers. It doesn't matter if the next person's um, purpose is to have a church and be a pastor with uh, 500 members. Like, I gave you something. Now you're going to take this podcast, you're going to focus on faith and business topics. You are going to grow this and focus on the process over time of honing and sharpening this to be a resource to the body of Christ, to Christian influencers, Christian creatives, Christian business professionals. This is going to be a resource to people in the faith, entrepreneurs, whatever it is, who are looking for ways, biblically sound ways to operate in the world of faith and business. They want to understand money or investing or career growth, right? Or understanding, like, how do I think about certain aspects of business? Should I be an entrepreneur? Should I go to corporate route? Like, that's what you're going to do with this podcast. And then when I return, when I return, because you use this gift, there's going to be people out there who heard your usage of the gift. They're going to hear the messages. They're going to hear the podcast. Iron sharpens iron. You are going to speak to somebody and awaken a dormant gift in them. And when you awaken that person and you awaken the dormant gift in them, or when you guide them to your purpose through inspiring them and to speaking life in them and encouraging them and not manipulating them and not worried about money, like I bless you with your own ways to make money. So you don't have to like try to manipulate people for money. Cool. So, all right, cool. Like you got your own thing going over here. You're in business. Like I gave you these other things to be self-sustaining. So you don't have to use your gift. Your gift ain't always about give me more money or getting people, tricking them out of money. No, you're going to do something different. You're going to actually speak to people and you're going to awaken dormant gifts in them. You're going to teach them how to operate in money. Then those people that you use your gift to speak to are then going to go and use their gift and speak to other people and bring people. And then when I come back, there will be interest on the gift that I gave you because you will have used the gift that I gave you, spoken to someone else, awakened the dormant gift in them, encouraged and inspired them on their journey to use their gift. They will have gone out, used their gift to encourage and inspire someone else. And then they will draw people to the body of Christ. People will literally come back to Christ. People will bring their gifts to Christ. People will bring their businesses to Christ. They will think like Christians. They will act like Christians. We will no longer just be trying to be motivational or inspirational for the sake of our own gain. We will be givers. People will leave better tips. Like People will go places and start looking to bless other people. And we will build a culture and a mentality that we are not victims, but we are victors in Christ. And this, this process, because you use your gift, it will start to compound interest. And when I come back, it won't just be you standing there. But when I come back and see you, there'll be all these people that you use your gift to bless and they use their gift to bless. And then I will then have made interest on my investment in you. And that is the underlying really in-depth part of this scripture that is way deeper than money. And this is why I love investing because it teaches you, yo, use your gift. You're not going to have instant gratification. There's going to be risk. You don't always know that you're going to be successful overnight. You're going to put out a podcast. Some videos are going to get 20 views. Some are going to get a thousand views. Some are going to get 200 views. Some might get six views, but you are not worried 
about having the most than the next person. We need to be worried about using our gift, sharpening our gift, becoming better, growing, learning, having character, respect, honor, integrity, growing in these things. If you fall, get back up again. The Bible talks about that. I'm not perfect. Don't don't think that I'm just this perfect being. I've been perfect my whole life. Whole life. I haven't. I've had to learn these same lessons, but I want to learn. I want to get better. When you do that, what happens is we continue to grow together. We cultivate one another as believers. And look, lo and behold, who knows? Then maybe I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a real example. Um, Tanisha Johnson. She's been a guest on this show. Maybe 20 episodes ago, she was a guest on this show. I met Tanisha 10 years ago. We were both speaking at an event or whatever. I remember, I, and this is just an example off the top of my head because this happened today um, or it comes recent as of today. When I met Tanisha, I was um, I had Bellwether Fashion, the clothing company. I remember I was selling shirts, Millionaire Mindset. Um, quick plug, I'm working on a Millionaire Mindset series that's going to bring all these things about finances together. I'm, this is a labor of love that I believe is going to literally change lives. Um, that's going to be a multiple part series that I'm working on. But Tanisha was buying. She loved the Millionaire Mindset shirt. She bought one for her son, I believe. It was a gray one with black letters, Millionaire Mindset. Tanisha bought that that day. So on that day, she invested in me. Cool. I had just met her. Fast forward. I had her on my podcast recently. Cool. That All right, bet. Then guess what happened? Um, some other I had I had two situations recently where some people were um, booking me for some things. And I realized like my bio is just outdated. Like, and that's just ridiculous. I can't operate at the level I'm operating now and not have an updated, a better bio. And it can't just be something I threw together. So what did I think about? The first thing I thought about is like, oh, the person, oh yeah, Tanisha. Oh yes, Tanisha writes bios. Cool. I hit up Tanisha. Tanisha, can you do this bio? She had the bio. I hit her up Friday. The bio is today. I got the I got the whole thing. It's like 99.9% .9 perfect. Like we're talking little bitty add this one, two little words or something, but like she killed it. I paid her for the bio, her regular price. I didn't ask for a discount, anything. What am I saying? When you use your gift, when you put the right thing in motion, it's compounding. We all get blessed. Then you want to bless other people. And then you start referring people like, oh, you need your bio written? Call Tanisha. And it like, there's this cycle that happens when you get your mind so much off of the amount or so much trying to take advantage of people. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than receive. More blessed. So for me, inspiring God's people is even more blessed than receiving something from God's people. But so many times we have the mentality of take, take, take. I'm going to go in Lululemon and steal clothes. I want to steal from people. I'm going to take from people. And when you have that mentality, you are not the most blessed. If you wanted to be the most blessed, then you would be going to buy Lululemon and give it away to people. You would find someone to bless. If you want to be the most blessed, you have to give something. And the problem with so many of us is we live our entire lives only from the perspective of taking. And this is why I always talk about the value of being a contributor versus a consumer. A consumer can't invest. They just don't invest. A consumer's mindset is not to invest because a consumer needs to consume things. A consumer sees $1,000 and says, I need to go buy three pair of $200 shoes. All right, that's 600. And then, you know, a, a watch and a belt. I need to go and consume something with this thousand. 
A contributor is a grower. A contributor is someone that says, I want to contribute to society. I want to bring value to people. So I need to go and grow and cultivate the thing that I have and grow it and double it and create more of it. Then I have more to distribute. Then I actually also have some to save for myself, some to save for my future, my legacy, but for emergencies, whatever it is like. But when you are a consumer, you want to go and take, take, take all you think of consume. You just think of what you can consume. But contributors, a contributor mindset, you contribute to the people around you, you, you contribute to your church, you contribute to your community, you contribute everywhere you go, you're a contributor, it is a mindset. And then that inspires and it, it rubs off, is flammable on other people, it catches them and then they go and contribute. But when you are a consumer, everyone you come in contact with, you are taking, 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 taking. It's the people that only call you when they want something. It's cool to want something sometimes, but there are certain people that literally only call you when they want something. They only call to consume. They never call to contribute. They never call to see how you're doing and to bless you or to, you know, to invest or whatever it is. I'm going to tell you this, like shout out to my sister, Michaelin. Man, Michaelin, and I got other brothers and sisters that call me. You always, you know what? It's always dangerous when you start naming names. This is a shout out to Michaelin, but not a shot at anyone else. Michaelin is one of my siblings that if nobody else going to call me for no reason, I'm talking, she don't want nothing at all. Like we sat on the phone yesterday for 40 minutes and I can't tell you if it was anything meaningful in anything this girl said. We laugh, we joke, we talk junk. Like she calls me all the time and don't want anything. It ain't going to get nothing anyway, but you know what I'm saying? I'm joking. I've I've given a lot to that little girl throughout life. But my point is, people like that are a blessing. Like, you don't realize that. That blessed me because it's like, yo, when, when I see her name pop up and she calling, like, I know that she not calling to consume. She's contributing. She's checking on me. What up? How you doing? She don't want nothing. She ain't rushing. I'm like, what are you? She ain't never in a rush when she's talking to me. And she like a FaceTime. I don't do the face. Stop FaceTiming, fam. My point is you need people in your life who are contributors. All right, cool. So let's, I got, it's a couple more stories I actually want to look at. So let's, let's look at these other two stories real quick. Um, What's this one about? Oh, let's go here. The rich young Americans. Let's, let's talk about this since we talking about money since we talking about money all right so this is on money wise um and this is gonna be a quick one but i just want to touch on this rich young americans have lost confidence in the stock market and are betting on these assets instead get in now for strong long-term tailwinds this is just a snapshot of what are the young people now investing in um, so let's see what this article says. The stock, the stock market has been a long go-to choice for people looking to invest their money. But that could be about to change as a younger generation with a preference for alternative investments outside the shaky stock market enters the scene. According to a recent survey from Bank of America, individuals aged 21 to 42 with at least 3 million in assets only have 25% of their portfolio invested in stocks compared to 55 for wealthy investors over the age of 43. So what assets do rich millennials favor? All right, what this is saying so far is just simply that the younger millennials age 21 to 42, I'm in that age group, 
uh, with at least $3 million in assets have only 25% of their portfolio invested in stocks, whereas the people who are over 43 have 55% um, percent of their investments in stocks. So just really quick, um, you got real estate, what else? Fine art, they're investing in fine art. Masterworks is a very popular thing I've been hearing about. And cryptocurrency. So real estate, fine art, cryptocurrency. I'm not going to um, go deep into um, this particular article. But what I wanted to show you, I want to say a couple things about this. Um, and A, it is just the fact of what I find really interesting about wealthy people is wealthy people view their financial uh, pie in slices. So they have portfolio allocations. Notice the the people with $3 million of assets in the age group of 21 to 42 have 25% of their um, portfolio, their, their assets invested into real estate. So the very first thing, like we just finished looking at this scripture and this parable where um, Jesus is um, encouraging you to be have an investor's mindset and so we need to learn how to think like an investor. And how do we do that? What is one of the aspects of an investor's mindset? That's why I want to look at this article. One of the um, attributes of an investor's mindset or characteristics, whatever is the correct word, I don't know, but I can't talk. It is to not to, to slice up your pie. So what am I saying? A lot of times broke people or people with poverty mindset, they get a lump sum of money. A lump sum of money is one of the best ways to um, judge your financial literacy, your discipline with as it relates to money to me. When you get a lump sum of money, what happens is this is an emotional situation. Because most people get a lump sum of money and think about everything they wanted that cost that amount or less. But wealthy people with an investor's mentality, they view their portfolio in slices. So here's how you can start. If you have $1,000 in the bank, stop looking at that $1,000 as just one whole pie. That's where I believe we go wrong. We just have one whole pie. It's not sliced. It's not allocated in different ways. And so we find ourselves in a position where this there's this all or nothing. We have no hedging, right? No using something else um, to offset the risk of another thing. So this is an investor's mindset. So if you want to have an investor's mindset, the first thing you're going to have to learn how to do is slice the pie. All right, I have $1,000. Okay, just uh, this is not financial advice. I'm not telling you to do this. This is an example. You should seek a financial advisor, a professional before you make decisions. And you should also understand the risk involved. I'm just talking about the mindset of an investor and using examples. But if you give me $1,000, and then I take $250, 25%, and then say, I'm going to go invest in stocks. All right, cool. Well, here's the first thing I've exercised. I've exercised now that I have other money working behind the scenes. I took that slice out of the pie instantly. And now I'm working with my 750. And maybe I'll take another 25% of that and say, I'm going to invest in cryptocurrency understanding the volatility, understanding um, the risk involved and so on and so forth. But I've done that. Let's say I take another 25% and put it in my savings account. Um, maybe the savings nowadays, you can get up to about 4% interest, you know, because, uh, you know, at the times we end, the banks are um, increasing some of that. If you do like an online bank or something like that, 
just look into that. But my point is now you're gaining 4% interest on 250 and you're thinking, oh, that's not a lot. But look, we're starting with the mindset. Remember, the Bible says you don't have to think about the amount per se. It is the principles, behaviors and actions that you're taking with your money that speaks to your mindset. And we are just worried about us. We ain't worried about if the next person got 10,000 or 20,000. So now you have allocated, you sliced your pie and you got $250 to work with. My point is you got 250 in the bank. You have the other 500 sliced between stocks and cryptocurrency that are working for you that are going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. But if you wait over time, long term, if you have researched and pro uh, purchased the prop, invested in a proper um, businesses and, and portfolios, that, that is all up to you and there's risk involved and you can't blindly do it and it's not a get rich quick scheme. But my point is, if you do all of those things, now, over time, instead of instead of taking a thousand dollars, looking at it as one slice, going to buy a PlayStation for five hundred and spending the rest on birthday money and all that and having nothing. Now you have properly sliced up your pie and you can see it in like, yo, these smaller increments. Excuse me. Now you're working with 250 and you thinking, what can I do with that? Well, the thing is, if you have a little fun with the 250 or you treat yourself to a nice dinner, the best thing is knowing that for the first time, this is like how it was for me, for the first time in my life, when I go and have that dinner or do that thing, because I based the budget on a smaller allocation of my money, now it doesn't hurt me. Now I can be broke without being broke. So now if I take my 250 and let's say I treat my, my wife, we go to dinner and it was $75 and we left the $25 tip or something or whatever it is. Like, all right, I spent the hundred. I got 150 left. And maybe we just do everything we need to do. Uh, food, you know, pay a couple of bills, whatever. Not Now, uh, you ain't paying a couple of bills of 150, but you get the principle. My point is now somebody hit me up the next day. Hey, let me borrow a hundred dollars. It's like, I, I don't have a hundred dollars. I'm broke. I thought you just got a thousand dollars. Oh, I, first of all, I don't count my money. But second of all, yeah, I do. But, but see, that money is working for me so that when the master returns and wants to know what I did to grow my money, I didn't just give it all out so that you can go abuse it. I didn't just that. I, like, so this is a mentality that it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can start here. It's the millionaire mindset. That is the millionaire mindset. It is stepping outside of the poverty and all of the, um, the the toxic behaviors around financial literacy that we have learned over time. And it doesn't matter where you're from, y'all. Like I, like I've had a 500 credit score. I've like I've had no money. I've I've like overdrafted accounts, hundreds of dollars, multiple times. Like I have had bad financial behavior and tendencies, but in 2012. I changed my mind. And over time, you continue to grow, you continue to build, make good decisions, and, it, and you do it on and on again. There's a lot of people with more money than me, a lot of people with more success than me. I'm not worried about that. I'm only worried about hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I can make you ruler over many. That, that should be our concern. All right, I got one last um I got one last story to look at. This is a deeper one. 
This is a deeper one, people. Man, this right here. Um, let, let's see. This right here. Let's see this. This is on uh, ChristianPost.com from last Monday, June 5th. Uh, Anugra Kumar. Bible removed from Utah Middle School, elementary middle school bookshelves for sex and violence. So the Bible was removed from elementary and middle school bookshelves in Utah because of sex and violence. Let's let's look at the article though. Let's see what the article is actually saying. Um, Utah Davis Utah's Davis School District has removed the Bible from the libraries of its elementary and middle schools. Um, sorry, I was making sure I didn't have a text. Um, from his uh, elementary and middle schools, citing passages describing sex and violence as inappropriate for those age groups. The decision has created a national stir since his announcement. The process began when a parent filed a challenge to the continued presence of the Bible in school libraries, the Salt Lake Tribune reported. The complaint argued that the Bible, as one of the most sex-ridden books around, features multiple instances of content including incest, onanism, bestiality, prostitution, genitalia, genital manipulation, rape, and infesticide. The complaint further asserted that such content clearly violates the Utah Code, uh, okay, passed in 2022, we're going to skip over some of that, which bans books with pornographic or indecent content from schools. Man. Um... So after a detailed inv investigation, the committee announced its decision. The Bible will remain on the shelves of high schools in the district, but will be removed from the libraries of elementary and middle schools. Christopher Williams, spoke service for the Davis School District, uh, was quoted as saying that the decision would take effect immediately. It is believed that seven or eight uh, elementary and middle schools within the district currently hold copies of the Bible that will be removed. As it stands, Davis School uh, District libraries hold other religious texts, such as the Book of Mormon, Torah, and Quran, available for students to check out without age restrictions. These have yet to face challenges similar to the Bible. Following the removal of the Bible from many Davis School District libraries, a request was made to ban the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Book of Mormon due to its violent content. This religious text deemed a volume of of Holy Scripture comparable to the Bible by, by the LDS will now face a review to determine its suitability for school libraries. The Bible challenge and subsequent review occurred amid a, national, a nationwide wave of book removals from school libraries. Under the same Utah Code, books such as The Bluest Eye by Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison and genderqueer uh, graphic moral novel exploring the author's journey of self-identity have also been removed from Utah schools. Although the committee did not find a Bible to contain sensitive material as defined by the Utah Code, the decision to limit the book's availability was based on age appropriateness of its context. The decision has faced backlash with one, appealing, uh, one parent appealing to keep the Bible accessible for students of all ages. Woo. All right. That is a deep one. So I'd be curious to know what y'all think about that. Um, I got a couple thoughts. First things first, you know, you read through it and it's like, okay, what I would be curious that's not covered in the article is I would be curious to know about the person who made the initial complaint. And I'm going to tell you why the quote of the Bible is one of the most sex ridden books out there. 
is ridiculous. First of all, it's a very like vague, it's one of the most sex-ridden books out there. How is that possible when there are literally books, novels that are literally all about sex? So I just think that is like extreme. I, I don't have kids. I haven't been in the elementary or school, middle school library since I was in elementary or middle school. So I don't necessarily know the content or nature of all the other books there. I would tell you that I actually don't also know how many elementary or middle school students are actually reading the Bible, which is actually the reason why I'm concerned about the person who made the initial complaint. They don't seem to have integrity with the reason why they're giving the, the complaint to me. This sounds like it is open the door for a precedent um, to go down a path similar to the first story with the lady who wants to go on a plane and, you know, go in this opposite direction and break down tradition and societal norms. There seems just to be more of a desire to take anything that is normal and tear it down as if to say that everything that we did to get to where we are as a free country today has been bad. And that is just, pouring a, what is it, the baby out with the bathwater, the milk out with the cereal, um, the juice out with the ice. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff now. But my point is, that's my concern. This extremist mentality that we have in a society, um, stealing clothes and taking flights. Look, this has been episode 204, man. Um, we need prayer in schools. Again, um, I, I will say that I'm at least happy to hear that there have been some other books um, that are also taken off the shelves. If we're going to take that approach of, yo, this isn't for kids. There's a part of me that's like, okay, cool. I can understand that aspect of it, but can we have a kids or children's Bible? Can we have a study Bible? That would be my initial response. Are you saying that there is no version of the Bible that even if a Bible is handcrafted for kids that we can't have it? Cool. You want to take the, you know, the King James and normal. Okay. All right, cool. I got you. These kids, I promise you ain't no elementary school kid reading the Song of Solomon anyway. But at the end of the day, I do think it's important to have the Bible in school, biblical principle in school. So I would love to be able to say, OK, if we're going to try to guard children in that right. The problem is we're going to go down a path where most of the things that you see happening in, in the world today that are really based around sex are inappropriate for children. And there's no way you're going to tell me that the Bible is so bad because it's about sex and violence in particular. I mean. I don't know. Does Harry Potter have violence? I don't know. I've never seen it, but I'm just saying like these are very vague claims that seem almost impossible in today's society to actually live up to. So that would be what I would push back on is like, all right, let's put the Bible aside. If you're going to create these standards, show me where we are being consistent with um, this mentality of protecting kids from sex and violence. And if that is truly the goal, all right, fully on board there. But do I trust that you have the proper intentions? I would also check how many times have the Bible been checked out? Like I would take all the books in that library that have any reference to sex or violence and then say, which ones have been checked out the most? I'm just going out on a limb and say, yo, I don't know how y'all get down in Utah, but I was in elementary and middle school and I never checked the Bible out one time. So my thing is like, I bet if you just took books that cross sex and violence and said, which ones are being checked out the most? It's probably not the Bible to start off with. So it doesn't make it the most important book to ban for something like this. Again, this is where I think people are just more concerned with deconstructing and tearing down. So then I would say, well, what book is about sex and violence and had been checked out 100 times this school year or 100 days this school year? Then I would start with those books. That to me would be logically 
fair and consistent with the idea of protecting the children. My problem definitely is not the idea that you want to protect for children from sex and violence, but it is the idea that you want to point to the Bible and kind of use it as a scapegoat to simply say, hey, this is about sex and violence. Excuse me, let's get it out of there. But then you turn around and promote sex and violence to children. That's where the inconsistencies of the world are today that are challenging to think through as a believer, right? Whether it be, you know, you got to go out here, you're carrying yourself as a professional, you're you, you own a business, you work in the corporate world, you want to be fair, you want to love all people and all these things. But these inconsistencies that are happening in the world um, are really starting to be more and more attacks on Christianity. That's why I urge Christians to, you know, a, a deepen our relationship with the Lord, with his word. Um, but also, like, let's be smart. Let's be voices and leaders in properly thinking through these things so that we can properly think through them and not be extremists that go all the way left just because there is one problem doesn't mean that the solution is the opposite of the problem. The solution a lot of times isn't to do the polar opposite thing of the problem, but it is something in between. Because if you do the polar opposite thing, you're just creating a new problem. So my entire point uh, with today's episode, hopefully you got something out of it. Please do like, subscribe, share all of those things. Um, but my entire point with it is to hopefully encourage you to think as a believer, um, to push back um, respectfully, intelligently, to um, know how to communicate with your children through these things, with your family, your friends, because the world is becoming weirder and weirder. And I think being silent about it is not solving anything. Um, so we have to properly think through and discuss these things uh, with intelligence, respect. Um, and with the goal and the agenda of truly like, you know, solving things and putting them in God's hands, not to de destroy things. And, you know, the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. So when I see people that constantly want to destroy, 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 there's destruction all around them. I can't help but to ask myself who's behind this. Like if we know who comes to steal, kill and destroy, like you stealing out of Lululemon, you you know, destroying the biblical family, destroying these concepts. It's like, well, you, I don't know. It's looking like a duck and it's quacking like a duck. Tell me that's what's up. Quack, 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 quack. Looking like a duck, quack, looking. I don't know why. Why did I do that? I don't know. It's, it's just not a good song. It's not a good, it was nothing good about what I just did. Listen, thank you so much for rocking with Inspire Guys People where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. And as we're thinking through um, just how to be a believer in our everyday life with all these stories and things happening across the world. I've enjoyed my time talking to you today. Um, hopefully, you know, what I'm saying I could be a blessing to you. You could be a blessing to someone else and we can keep this thing going and growing as believers in our walk. Look, none of us are perfect. I truly am not. But it's about trying to grow and become better every day, looking in the mirror, seeing where I could do better, seeing how I could be better. And then just genuinely, genuinely trying to walk that out in our lives. So, look, I hope you have an amazing, amazing, amazing day. An amazing, amazing.